This Labor Day weekend, I kind of look at it as a kind of transitional weekend. You know, we just wrapped up a 13-week summer series on 1 John. Probably, maybe my, my all-time favorite summer series in my entire career as a pastor. Just loved walking verse by verse, chapter through chapter by chapter through that, uh, that wonderful letter from John. Um, and then next week, we're going to start a, a new series called On Family. And, and I just, you know, I think it's one of those series you, you don't want to miss a single week. And, you know, and, and whenever I think about family, we're, we're all a part of family. Right? So, some of us are, are part of the family of God. Some of us are part of, you know, we have a, an earthly family. So if you're single or married or divorced or separated or empty nesters or a teenager, young adult, whatever it is, you, you're a part of a family. And I want to invite you to be here. Bring somebody with you uh, throughout this, this next series that we're going to be starting next Sunday on family. And so today, I, I want to preach to you so that you can preach to yourself. There are some times in our, our everyday ordinary lives when things are just not going well and there's nobody around us to encourage us. There's, you know, it's like, where do I turn? Where do I look? And, you know, we should look to God's word. And sometimes we just, we have to go to God's word simply to, and to encourage us because nobody else is. Because, I mean, I mean you, you experience this as much as I do. You turn on the news, right, and it's just like, it's all negative. It's all just tearing people down and separation and all this stuff. And, you know, and then, and then I'm like, oh, well, I'm just going to go to social media because that's so much better, Right. Right, and it's just like no, it's like all it's filled with comparison and look, look at this picture, you know, and all, and I'm just like, ugh. And so it just seems like all we ever hear about is just like the economy and the recession and supply chain. Like I, I was like, before, like I didn't even know what supply chain management was really until you know, and I really don't know what it is now. I just like it gets blamed for everything, right? And just like, and just our heart rates, our our blood pressure, our anxiety just increases, increases, increases because of all this stuff that's going on around us. And so today, I want to encourage you. I really truly want to encourage you. I want to talk about hope today. And so I just, and every morning during my time that I spend with God, I, I always read it, it, some part of a psalm. And oftentimes when I'm, I'm reading through these psalms, I'm just like, wait, this guy's doing, going through the same stuff I'm going through. He's experiencing some of the, the same struggles and the same like frustrations and all that kind of stuff. I'm like, wow. Like, even though this, this book was written like, I don't know, three, four thousand years ago, it still applies today for my life and for your life. And so if you have your Bibles, grab them. Psalm 42, there's some Bibles in the back if you need uh, a Bible for today. Um, and, and so like, this is, like, I, I just love how we see these writers of the different Psalms just wrestling and, and fighting and contending and struggling to maintain their hope in God. And, and, and so that's what I, I want to look at today because I think, you know, we may be saved by grace as followers of Jesus, but the reality is all of us at different times in different ways, we struggle to maintain our hope in this dark world. And so, and, and I just, I, I appreciate the fact that oftentimes these writers, they are, they're owning it. They're like, this is where I am. This is what I'm struggling with. And this is how I'm walking through that. And that gives us hope. And that, that gives us direction as we walk through those same areas. And so I want to encourage you. So let's, let's, let's look at Psalm 42, verses 1 through 11. So let me read it, um, and then we'll talk about it. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. 
My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night while people say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. My soul is downcast within me, therefore I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon, from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep, and the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day the Lord directs his love, at night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning and oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. You know, hope doesn't come naturally for sinners like you and me. Right? And, and, and like, well, I want to preach hope to you today so, so that you will preach it to yourself when you find yourself in exactly the same place that the writer of Psalm 42 finds him, himself. I mean, just, just think about what he's experiencing as, as he's writing this. Just look real quick. So first of all, he's, he's spiritually dry. He says, my soul thirsts for God. He says, he's dealing with sadness, right? My tears have been my food. He feels like he's separated from, from his, his spiritual family. He says, I used to go to the house of God. He feels overwhelmed. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. He even feels forgotten by God. He's like, God, why have you forgotten me? He feels like his enemies are just constantly coming at him, taunting him. He says, my foes taunt me. And as you just kind of read through what this, this writer of Psalm 42 is writing about, like, are, are any of you there today? Are any of you struggling in your everyday ordinary life and just like, oh my gosh, I just, I, I totally understand what this guy's writing about because I'm experiencing same, some of the same things. And if that's true for you, I'm just, I'm so glad you're here today because I really want to encourage you. And, and, and I think, you know, maybe one of the, the best things that we can say to ourselves, one of the best things that we can preach to ourselves is what this writer says in Psalm 42, 5. He, he's like, put your hope in God. Like, that's, that's, that's the only thing that's going to sustain us. But, but here's the thing. And, and, and I know you get this because you're, you're just like me. There's, I think we, we kind of put hope in this, this category. We, we describe hope and define hope in, 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 in three different ways, I think. First of all, it's just kind of this, this desire for something good in the future. So maybe one of our, our kids might say, well, I hope my dad gets home early from work so we can play outside together. And so that son, that, that daughter, you know, their, their desire is that their dad will get home early so they can experience a good thing in their future with their dad. Or second, we'll say, hey, it's, it's this good thing in the future that, that we're desiring, Right, so, so Abby's home from Georgia. Kelly and Abby just drove home. You know, and whenever like, they're driving back, I was just like, I hope you get home safe. Right? And, and so safe travel for them was the object of my hope. And then third, the, the, the reason our desire will happen. 
And so you're getting on an airplane, you're like, man, I, I hope we have a, a good tailwind today so we can get in there early and, and I can make my connecting flight. Right? And so, so the tailwind is really the, the reason that we, we might achieve that future good that we desire. And so, so the reality is this is kind of how we use the word hope. And, and, and all three of those are, are found in, in different places in the Bible. But, but the most important feature of biblical hope is not present in any of these kind of ordinary uses of this word hope that we typically use. Right? In fact, the distinctive kind of difference of, of biblical hope is, is, to me, it almost feels the opposite of this ordinary use of hope. And I'm not saying that, that, that hope in the Bible isn't desiring something good in the future, but like when we're, we're, what I mean is that, that when we use the word hope, right, like ordinarily, it's really expressing uncertainty. We don't know if it's going to happen or not. You know, we'll say, like, I, ho- I hope dad gets home early. That means, you know, I, I don't know. I don't have any certainty whatsoever if he's going to get home on time. And so my desire is that, that he does, but I don't know. Or I hope that my wife and my daughter get home safely, right? I, I don't know if they will or not. I can't control what happens on the interstate. So my hope is in, is in something that I don't know about. It's uncertain. Or, or a good tailwind, right? I don't know. If, I have no idea if there's a good tailwind or not on a particular day to help me to be able to make my connecting flights, you know, in whatever city, right? And, but, so we just kind of have this ordinary use of, of hope as really it's, it's expressing uncertainty, and uncertainty drains us. Uncertainty takes away our peace. Uncertainty breeds doubt. And, and the more uncertainty that we have in our lives, the, the unhealthier we become. And, and I think all of us, we, we all long, we all desire for a, a level of certainty that, that supersedes, that, that really tips the scales of all of the, the different ordinary ways that we use that word hope. So the main thing that I want to share with you this morning from Psalm 42 and, and in a few minutes in Colossians chapter 1 is, is that biblical hope is, is not just a desire for something good in the future, but rather biblical hope is a confident expectation and a desire for something good in the future. And so biblical hope doesn't only desire something good for the future, it expects it to happen. And not only does it expect it to happen, it is confident that it will. And so, so let's look at the, just the, the beauty and the simplicity of Psalm 42 for a minute. So the, the, the author of, of Psalm 42, he says, look, I, just, I, just, I need to declare where I am right now. Here's my current condition. Look again at verses 1 to 3. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night while people say to me all day long, where is your God? So he's not playing any games, right? He's not trying to cover it up or, or put kind of an Instagram, you know, filter on it or anything like that. He's like, here's where I am. I'm just, I'm just owning it. I'm declaring, okay, I got just, I got to know where I'm starting to know where I'm going. What about you? What about me? Where are you today? Where is your soul today? And once he, he owns where he is, next he says, you know what, I, I, I need to look back. i got to remember. He writes in verse 4, These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the Mighty One with shouts of joy and praise among the th- festive throng. 
He's, he's like, oh, man, I remember those days, those good days with God. That I would go to the house of God and I would worship him and I'd praise him and it was so good and so glorious and, and so life-giving to me. I remember what it was like back then. What about you? Do you remember? Maybe if you're in a place where you, you feel hopeless right now, you feel overwhelmed, do you remember? A time when, when you felt that, that glorious connection to God. Maybe it was whenever you first gave your life to Jesus. And you were, you were living far from God and someone invited you to church, someone told you about how God, Jesus had, had changed their life and you, your, your heart and your, your, your soul was open to what God might do in you and you're just like, wait a minute. You, you, you mean that this guy that went to the cross, he, he died for my sins? Like, I know what I did in my past. Like, are you kidding me? Somebody would die for me? And your friend is like, yeah. He died for you and your sins. And you just, you're like, I, I believe. I believe Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. I'm, I'm putting my trust in him. I'm declaring that he's my, my God. Right in that glorious moment, you're like, you, you, this connection you feel with the Heavenly Father is priceless. You're like, I want that all the time. And, and unfortunately, we don't have that all the time. And this writer saying, look back. Look back to that time when you remember when it was good. You, you love coming in here and you love raising your hands and you love praising God with all that you are and all that you have even though you're not there right now. Look backwards. And then he says, you know, I need to, I need to make a declaration for my future. I, I'm not there now, but I'm going to be. Look what he says in verse five. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed in me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. And so in despite of where he is spiritual, where how he, he just feels dried, he doesn't have any friends, he's being attacked on all sides, he doesn't feel close to God, all these things are happening in him. He's like, regardless of my circumstances, I'm going to praise my Savior, I'm going to praise my God. And really, he, he encourages himself, put your hope in God. And like he's, it's, it's like he, you, he almost, I, I'm guessing, he just he needed to say that out loud. Because sometimes it just feels like the way that we kind of walk our lives as disciples of Jesus is like we cross our fingers. Like, I hope it all works out. That's not real hope. That's uncertainty. Right? He's, he's expecting great things from God. And I wonder, are we? Are you? Am I? Are we expecting great things from God? And because I think we have to hold on to those things that even whenever we're, our soul is downcast, even whenever we're disturbed with everything that's going on around us, we don't have any control over that. But we can put our hope in Jesus. And so for me, whenever I, I read Psalm 42, it just it has this, this feel of a rescue mission. Right, it just kind of, kind of like what I was telling you about at the beginning of August. Whenever I went on this hike with my, my brother-in-law up in in uh, New Hampshire, and I just we had been hiking all day. I was dehydrated. I couldn't go any further, and and, and he took my thirty-pound pack, and he carried it for me. Like I, I needed someone to rescue me in in that moment because there's just there's no way that I was ever going to finish on my own. And it just it just feels like, like whenever. It, this writer of Psalm 42 is he's just like, hey, the, this, is a, this is a rescue mission. Let me write these words to you because I've experienced what it means to have a weary soul and, and you know what it is to have a weary soul. And this is what I needed and I think this is what you need. Put your hope in God. 
You see, there, there's going to be times for all of us at different seasons where we're just like, man, I so resonate with this guy. I'm so, I'm so drained. I'm so empty. You know, we, we, we need a feast on Psalm 42 because our souls are in need of being rescued. But you might be here today and you're like, I, I'm not there. Actually, I'm, I'm pretty good. I, I, my soul is not weary. I, I don't have any relational problems. I, you know, things are, are actually pretty good. But man, just kind of the, the day-to-day walking as a disciple of Jesus, sometimes I, I grow weary in that. Sometimes I just, I, I, wish, I just wish I could get a word of encouragement from somebody, from a family member, from a friend, from a pastor to continue on and just this faithfulness of walking the, the walk of, of a disciple of Jesus. And so I, I, I want to encourage you who maybe you're, you're, you're not empty, but maybe you're just like, I, I, I want to stay true. I want to stay, regardless of what's going on around me, I, I want to be a, a faithful disciple of Jesus. And so I, I want us to turn to Colossians chapter 1. Or, or the Apostle Paul is writing to this church to, to encourage them to stay faithful. Look at verses 24 to 29. Paul writes, Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. I have become a servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. Now, I, I don't want to feel like, hey, sermon number two for the morning. Like, I, I'm not trying to, to, to pull that, right? I just, like, I just, I feel like, you know, at the, the beginning I said, I want to encourage you. And I just, I just know that some of you, you, you need a rescue mission, but some of you, you're not there, right? But, but you need to be encouraged as well today, right? And so I just, I, I want to, to lift your spirits today as well, that walking that faithful path of discipleship is worth it. Because... This world is, it is broken and it is messed up and it is dark and, and it's not going to be easy to, to live out our faith in Jesus. Remember what Jesus said in John chapter 15. He says, remember what I told you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. He's saying, look guys, like, I, I can promise you that if you're faithfully walking the, the path of discipleship, that there are going to be people who are going to push up against you. They're going to question you. They're, they're going to ask, like, what in the world are you doing? Why are you doing those things? Why are you giving up your time or your money or, or whatever? Right? And so I think sometimes, though, the Christians, we, we, we come to the place where, we, you know, hey, if I, when I put my faith in Jesus as my Lord and my Savior, that from that moment on, everything's just going to be rainbows and unicorns. Oh, happy, happy. Right? <laughs> And then you get hit by life. And you're like, what did I sign up for? What happened here? Like, this is a whole lot harder than, than I thought it was going to be. And it's just like, I've, I've experienced broken relationships and, and, and pain and, and people being people. Hurt people hurt people. 
And I mean, Jesus, he's like, look, before he returns, I'm for, and like, God, Jesus, come back soon, right? He says, before I come back here, here let me paint a picture of what it's going to be like in Matthew chapter 24, verses 4 to 9. Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah and will deceive many. You'll hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. Then you'll be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you'll be hated by all nations because of me. And I don't think Jesus is trying to lay something heavy on the people he's talking to that day. Right? I, just, I think he's like, look, I'm going to give you a reality check Right? And, and for me, and I, and I read that, it, just, it amplifies what, what Paul wrote to the Colossians. He's like, I, I rejoice in, in what I am suffering for you. You know, sometimes, you know, I just, I, I wonder if, if people know what they're signing up for when they put their faith in Jesus. Now, I've talked to people in our church who, you know, they, they've been serving, they're like, I'm out. Someone was rude to me. Someone said something that, that offended me. And I'm like, Hurt people hurt people. I've had people who, who've left our church and they said, you know, I just, I didn't get my personal preference. They don't use that phrase, but that's what they're saying. I'm out. Right? I've talked to pastors, especially in the last couple of years. Right? They're just like, I'm just, I'm so overwhelmed. I'm, I'm so drained. I'm so tired. I'm so beat up, right? Just all the criticism that I get, right? I'm, I'm done with ministry. I'm just going to go do something else. And I get it. I understand. You know, I, I'll be, you know, standing at the door, you know, getting ready to come in, and I'm watching the countdown. You know, there's like, like two or three minutes, and somebody be like, hey, pastor, I need to talk to you about something. And I'm just like, oh, no. Right? Because I know they're just going to punch me right in the stomach. Right? And then I'm going to be like, good morning, church. Right? I'm like, oh, my goodness. You know, and, and, and it usually happens on Mondays. I, I get the phone calls and the emails, you know, of criticism. You know, sometimes it's one page. There's been a few five-pagers. There's been a 10-pager. There's been a 25-pager once, right? Just like, here's all the reasons I hate you, pastor, and hate our church, right? I'm like, why are you still here, right? Just like, I get it. And I get why, why all of us need to be encouraged, Right? And just like, and so I, I get these things, and, and I hear Paul saying, Rejoice. I'm like, Paul, I just want to punch you in the throat, man. <laughs> Maybe too honest for you, sorry. Right? I don't feel like rejoicing in that moment. I don't feel like celebrating in that moment. Right? But, but, but then, you know, Paul puts it into this bigger context for all of us. Not, I'm not just talking about me, I'm talking about all of us who are followers of Jesus. Right? And just, he says, Look, let me. Just share with you, verse, Colossians 1.25, he's like, I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. In other words, Paul, he's reminding himself, just like the writer of that psalm, right, is reminding himself. Now, Paul's reminding himself, he's like, hey, I've got this greater, this bigger call from God upon my life. I've been commissioned by God. You know what? So have all of you. So have all of you. You have been commissioned by God to be a servant in his army of disciples. 
When, when you put your faith in Jesus, the Holy Spirit took up residence in your life, and he gave you at least one spiritual gift, right? And, and like, the only way you can fulfill your calling in life is to say yes to God, to living into this commissioning that he has put upon your life. Right? And, and, and look, and as Jesus says in John 15, the, the only way that we're actually going to see any kind of fruit born in our lives that is kingdom worthy is that whenever we abide or when we rest in Jesus, we've got to stay rooted in him. This isn't about my power or your power or our strength or our ability to do anything. It's all about what the Holy Spirit, like we are joyfully relying on the Holy Spirit, like seeking to, to glorify God in all that we do. Hey, I mean, come on. He, he, he's, God sent his son to, to die for us on the cross to purchase your salvation, not to sit on the sidelines and, and complain and, and not be involved, but to get into the game and to make a difference in other people's lives. Right? And so like, whenever I say, hey, there's going to be a table out in the lobby, you know, we, we're, we're looking for people to step in and, and serve in our church. I'm not, trying, I'm not asking you to serve because I want something from you. It's because I want something for you. Something that God has put inside of you. Your, your serving isn't just about fulfilling you. It's about exalting Jesus. And so when I do receive those calls and those letters and those, you know, conversations, like I'm, I'm not rejoicing that I receive them. I'm rejoicing that I'm still in the game. And I know some of you, you're there. And you're, you're, just, you're just barely holding on. Like I, just, I want to encourage you today. You know, I, I, I'm guessing, you know, we, we've been doing this, you know, we, we, once a month we, we serve hundreds of people in our, you know, through our food pantry. And it takes, it takes pretty much the whole morning. Right? And there, there have been people who have been coming month after month, day after day, or month after month, year after year, decade after decade. And I'm sure that some of you, you've got friends who are just like, or family members who are like, why are you going again? Why can't somebody else do that? Hey, we, we could go do this, we could go do that. Why are you serving? Look, I, I, I want to encourage you. The difference that you are making in the lives of people in our community is priceless. Thank you. Thank you for your faithfulness in coming and, and making a difference in people's lives. Other of you are, are serving our kids' ministry, our student ministry. And I know it's, you know, hey, I, I need to make a commitment to, the, to these kids on Sunday morning, right? And especially on, a, on a, a weekend like this where a lot of people go away. Why, wait, why? You, you signed up to serve on Labor Day weekend? Like, we could go fishing, we could go hunting, or I don't know if you can go hunting, but like, we could go do all kinds of other things. Why, why did you ruin our weekend by serving in kids' ministry? Or, you know, Sunday, Sunday night, we're going to have senior high, uh, high school students, and Tuesday, we're going to have middle school students, and, you know, Andrew's doing his best to, to raise up a, a whole army of volunteers and leaders to, to make a difference in this next generation of teenagers. You know, Sunday night, it's like, oh, that's, that's when we get ready for the week. Tuesday, like, we're busy. Like, there's sports. There's running here and there. Why, why would you serve? Why would you sign up to, to help teenagers? Right? It's like they got some kind of disease or something, right? <laughs> because I believe in the next generation. Because I want to pour in the next generation. Who else is pouring into the next generation? 
They, they got so much junk coming at them. I can't even imagine what it's like to be a teenager right now. We need men and women who, who are going to pour into these teenagers who will love them and care for them for who they are and who God has claimed them to be in Jesus. So if you're serving our kids' ministry, our student ministry, thank you. Thank you for making that investment. I know it's hard. I know there's so many other things that, that you could be doing. But thank you for being here. Thank you for making a difference. Let, let me, let's just look at Colossians 1.27 as we close up. Paul writes, To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And you know, Paul's writing to this church that's filled with, with Gentiles, right? People who are not Jews. And, and I, you know, I don't think we get the power and the depth of what Paul's writing here. See, back then, Jews were, I mean, Gentiles were second-class citizens, right? They, they could become a part of the, the, the family of God, you know, become, a, you know, a Jew, but they, they weren't allowed in all the way, right? There was a section of the, of the temple of the synagogue that was reserved for women and Gentiles. In other words, they could watch what was happening, but they couldn't participate in the worship. And now Paul's like, you, you're welcome. You're invited in. Right? And, and, and this, is, this explains to me, Ephesians chapter 2, 12 to 14, explains what, what the power of what people got through faith in Jesus. Paul writes, remember that at that time you were separated from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace, who has made two groups one, and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. And to me, this, this should be such an encouragement to all of us. Come on, there was a time that every one of us in this room, everyone online, that every one of us were separated from Jesus because of our sin. But then we made a decision. We decided we were going to confess our sins. We were going to repent of our sins. And, and we were going to, we proclaim that Jesus Christ is our, our Lord and our Savior. That, that we were going to rejoice that because a man hung on a cross that we are forgiven our sins. Our past and present and future sins have all been washed in the blood of Jesus. Like we, we, and in that moment we were put in Jesus and Jesus was put in us. The, the hope of glory is that we, that you and I, are in Jesus. And there is nothing that can separate us from the love of Jesus, from the love of God that is found in Jesus. Nothing. And Paul is saying that the riches of the glory of the gospel for you and me is Christ in you. So I've spent all my time seeking to encourage you. But I want to close by challenging you. You know, it, it might feel safe, it might feel comfortable to, to kind of come in this room and, and be a part of worship whenever you've got time, whenever it's convenient. You know, it, it might feel comfortable, it might feel convenient, you know, just to kind of give financially the work of God at our church when you've got something left over at the end of the month, or if you don't, well, that's okay. You know, it, it might feel comfortable, convenient to, to kind of come in here and, and be a receiver, right? And drop off your kids in kids' ministry and bring your students to students, but, but never really get involved because that, that's messy and I have to rearrange my, my schedule, right? And, and, and so they, just, or it's easy that way. It's comfortable that way. 
when we find out someone in our, our, our neighborhood is hurting and is, 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 is not doing well, it's, it's just easier to be too busy to, to go over and, and make a difference in their life. I, I get it. And when, when, when I think about that and I, I hear people kind of talking that way and, and, and maybe not even talk about that, we just see them acting that way. It, just, it's, it feels like you know, me saying, you know, I, you know I'm going to go sailing today. And I drive my car over to a lake, and there's a sailboat there tied to the dock, you know, and I, I get into the boat, and, and I, just, I just sit there. And I, I don't raise the, the sail. I, I don't, you know, get off, you know, push off from the, from the dock and get out in the open water. No, no, I, I just want to be safe. I just want to be comfortable, and it's safe, and it's comfortable tied to that dock. But come on. The sailboat wasn't created to stay tied at the dock. It was created to, to get the sail up and get the full wind blowing through the sail, to get out into the open water, to, to get out on you know, full speed right on the edge. Right? That's when a sailboat is at its best. And that's what you were created for too. That's what Jesus died for. That, that's why God raised him from the dead three days later. Your hope is not based on some kind of uncertainty. Right? I hope this all works out. I'm going to cross my fingers. Right? No, he, he, he died for you, to set you free, to, to live for his glory, right? not to be safe and comfortable. Right? And so, so Jesus, he, he came for you and me. Right? And, and if, so if you have Jesus, you have the hope of glory. You, you have a hope that is filled with, with full expectation, is full of confidence that God is working in you and for your good and for his glory. It's not a safe hope. It's not even a comfortable hope. It's a glorious hope of being in Jesus. And, and one of the, the tangible reminders that, that we have as, as followers of Jesus to be reminded of what Jesus did on the cross is to, to share communion together. And so the worship team is going to come up as, as we transition over to to receiving communion, and uh, you should have received the, the communion elements as, as you uh, came in this morning. And we've been talking about, hey, we, we want to start pe having people come forward again, and, and the, the, the trays and stuff that we need, they're on back order, right? And so we're, we're going to just continue to, to use these until they come in. Um, so most of you know the routine. Go ahead and pull off the, the, the first layer and, and get the, the wafer and just hold on to that for just a moment. And then take off the second uh, layer and just hold on to the cup of juice for a moment. And, and, and what we're doing this morning, you know, this is, this is a celebration of what Jesus has done for us on the cross. And so this is for people who have put their faith in Jesus. And, and if you haven't done that yet, then I invite you to do so right here, right now. Just close your eyes. Confess your sin and invite Jesus into your heart. Declare that he is your Lord and your Savior. And this is a way of celebrating what he has done for us and how he's changing us and, and transforming us. Let's pray.